0: You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy Veteran, and your host, Peter Serafine. Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse for Friday,
1: April 24th, twenty twenty. I am your host, Peter Seraphine. Today, I want to talk about. Well, let's try to use the uh, exposure that the COVID 19 crisis has uh, given us to fix some of the problems within our own government. Basically, I want to take a page out of a typical Democratic playbook. And uh, to quote Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. This COVID-19 crisis has pointed out a bunch of things wrong, and I think it would hoove the right side of the political aisle to take advantage of the this exposure and try to get some of this stuff fixed. So let's launch this episode of Liberty Lighthouse. Welcome to the
0: Liberty Lighthouse with your Liberty Lighthouse keeper, your beacon of common sense, your wiki, if you will, Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation by calling 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. And sign up to be a member at liberty-lighthouse.com
1: please do call and text the Liberty Lighthouse with your questions, comments, and concerns. I know a whole lot of you people out there listening in are a lot smarter than I am, so uh, why not share some of that knowledge with the rest of the world? So in the uh, crisis that we have, the Wuhan flu crisis that has us all in uh, lockdown mode, a lot of things have shown their ugly faces within our government. And I really think that our government And our different political parties within our government are going to try really hard to use this thing to grab more power. And I think this is also a great opportunity for those of us that are on the right side of the political aisle that believe in small, limited power governments to expose the problems that we have and maybe use that exposure to get some of our agenda done for once. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that our progressive liberal friends are going to use this crisis to try to push their agenda. In fact, I've already seen it. I'm sure you have too. A couple of quick examples. Uh, One was my own governor, Governor Wolf. Governor Wolf here in Pennsylvania was asked about the unemployment and the fact that some people, because of the added bonus of monies added to unemployment by the stimulus bill, that some people are actually making more money on unemployment than they are working or were while they were working. And so Governor Wolf was asked, "What about that? Like, is are we going to make these people go back to work when they when there's jobs available? Like, how can we make people make less money while working than they're making when they're not working?" And Governor Wolf's reply was, "Well, maybe this is how we get our minimum wage raised." Several episodes ago, I talked about the the mythical fifteen dollar an hour living wage and why. I think it's a bad idea and many, many reasons why I think it's a bad idea. But Governor Wolf is going to try to use the death of thousands of Americans and the crisis that followed after that to try to push his agenda of raising the minimum wage. Not surprised at all. Another thing I've seen mostly in meme form so far, but I've seen memes that say, hey, Did you notice that our government was able to pull like six trillion dollars out of their butts, but they said they couldn't afford a universal health care system? So obviously, this is going to be part of the recovery process as well. Whole lots of people lost their insurance when they became unemployed. So now the left side of the aisle is going to say, hey, look, we had all this money for stimulus. i Bet we have that same money when it comes time to universal health care. What nobody seems to realize on either side of the aisle is that we don't have this money. We never did have this money. This money is more loans and more just printing useless paper and calling it cash. If anybody out there thinks that our government actually had $6 trillion laying around, they obviously haven't been paying attention at all. In fact, I went to the uh, debt clock the other day, the National Debt Clock online. It's pretty cool. It not only has the total debt, but the total debt per taxpayer and per citizen and tax revenues going into the federal government and all this other kind of stuff. So some of the things I noticed is that the tax revenue going into our federal government is dropping $100,000 Every 15 seconds. That's a lot of money that the government is not getting because so many people aren't working. That's a problem. Another thing that I noticed and thought was a big problem at the National Debt Clock was the fact that our debt, which is now at like $26 trillion, is going up. A hundred thousand dollars every three seconds. That's two million dollars a minute, a hundred and twenty million dollars an hour, 2.9 billion dollars a day that we're going further and further into debt. And most people look at the debt and go, "Eh, it's not real, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, you know, let's divide it out. If you look at it per person in America, I'm sorry per citizen. The national debt per citizen is seventy-four, almost $75,000. And per taxpayer, because remember, not all citizens pay taxes. You've got the, the uh, young folk that aren't old enough to pay taxes yet, and you've got the old folk that paid all their taxes already. And then, of course, you've got all the people that don't make enough money to pay taxes. So the national debt per taxpayer is almost $200,000. It's $198,000 per taxpayer. So my personal share of the United States national debt is far greater than my entire net worth. Our country was $23 trillion in debt before the Wuhan flu. And then they just pulled $2 trillion out of nowhere. And then they pulled more and more and more. And I think it's up to a total of $6 trillion so far spent in stimulus of some type regarding the Wuhan flu. And at the same time, the tax revenue of the United States government is dropping precipitously. I mean, our government is losing like a half a billion dollars worth of tax revenue a day Day, for every day that our country is in this lockdown mode. So like I talked about last week, you know, our government's revenue stream, their tax income has dropped dramatically. And now we've figured out that it's about a half a billion dollars a day that they're losing in tax revenue. So what does the very first stimulus bill have in it? Well, it has $10 billion in international development. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we're $23 trillion in debt, and our whole country is out of work, and we're losing a half a billion dollars a day. So let's give $10 billion to international development. Hey, while we're at it, let's do $350 million for refugee resettlement and $93 million more for congressional crap, $75 million to... PBS and 75 million to the Foundation of Arts and Humanities, and another 75 million to the National Endowment for Humanities, because you know, those two are just different things. Another 50 million dollars to museums and libraries and 25 million dollars to the Kennedy Center, million dollars to the smithsonian and 400 million dollars to election security in the states because you know all of those things are really vitally important when there are people dying and 26 million people unemployed they really care about all of these things when they've just lost their jobs Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, she cares about the American people so much that after the Senate had negotiated both both parties, a bipartisan agreement, she said, nope, we're not going to look at it. We're going to write our own bill. And oh, wait, uh, she cares so much that when the small business loan fund ran out of money and the uh, White House said, hey, we need this like right away she didn't bother to vote on it in the house for a week because that's how much she cares about uh small businesses and the people who own them and 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 I can honestly say Nancy Pelosi not the democrats not the leftists not no it is entirely on her Nancy Pelosi she is speaker of the house speaker of the house is in complete control of what does and does not get voted on in the house of representatives so when the bill was given to her saying we need more money for this she waited a week before putting it on the floor for a vote that's a week that these small businesses are just sitting there hoping that they might get money again and you know even the bipartisan part of that stimulus bill kind of pisses me off. They sent twelve hundred dollars to everyone all right every citizen who you know filed a tax return or whatever I don't care. My point being even people that are still working got twelve hundred dollars when the people that are unemployed you know went on unemployment and they got their twelve hundred dollars and they're getting an un- unemployment, and the unemployment was you know fortified, given more money to whatever. I understand that something had to be done. I understand that the government's forced us to close our businesses and forced people out of work and the government should compensate those people. What I really don't understand is why did the people that are still working get money? Was it just, you know, hey, let's just give everybody money. Just, I don't know, just give everybody money. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Again, $23 trillion in debt. We're spending another $2 trillion to give everybody money. We, the taxpayers of this country, really need to start looking at what our government spends our money on. And we need to think about it in those terms, our money. Think about the fact that they just spent $2 trillion, which is about $6,000 per person in this country, in order to give everybody 1200 bucks. Now, I understand they're also supporting the you know small businesses and employers, and that's all good stuff, but it's $6,000 of my money, and part of my $6,000 went to a whole bunch of crap that really doesn't need it right now, i.e. museums. And the Kennedy Center for Performing Arts and PBS and like those things. Okay, we can argue whether or not they should ever get government money, whether they should be public or private. What we really can't argue is why are they getting money now when the world is shut down, the government isn't earning its tax dollars. And you're just going to give money to all these different groups. I'm lost. I'm, I'm really absolutely lost by this, other than the fact that it's just the partisan pork spending that we see on almost every bill. So that brings me to the first campaign I have for COVID relief exposure. I want us, we the people, the citizens, the patriotic Americans who actually go and vote. I want us to vote out anybody in the House of Representatives who's been there for more than two terms. It's ridiculous. They all need to go. They can't pass a bill to save American lives without putting $11 billion worth of crap pork products on it. So that is never let a crisis go to waste Agenda item number one on this episode of Liberty Lighthouse. Vote out every member of the House of Representatives that has been in, co- in Congress for more than two terms. All of them. I don't care. Democrat, Republican, Independent. Get rid of them all. Start over. Let's get some people in there that actually think about we the people instead of their little special interest groups and pet projects. Something else that this uh, Wuhan flu crisis has pointed out to anybody who hasn't been paying attention for the last 20 or 30 years is uh, bureaucracy. Our government needs to shrink. It has gotten far too big. And government bureaucracy got in the way of a timely response to a crisis. Government bureaucracy stopped private labs from doing testing until the government said it was okay. Government l- bureaucracy caused hiccups all throughout the supply chain. Government bureaucracy and the redundant agencies within the government caused more problems than any other single entity in this uh, present crisis. Government has gotten far too big and it has got their fingers in way too many pots all at the same time to have any clue what other people are doing here and there and elsewhere. It was bureaucracy that slowed down getting testing done. It was bureaucracy that slowed down getting companies to help. It was bureaucracy that has stopped Private industry from stepping up to the plate and helping in this crisis. Companies wanted to make products, wanted to make PPE, wanted to make ventilators, but government bureaucracy got in the way because they couldn't do it. They weren't certified and licensed and this and that and have to have 85 inspections and whatever. Government should be simple, especially at the federal level. Our federal government is far too complicated there are far too many agencies that have their hands in absolutely everything the entire logistics and supply problems that we had during this wuhan flu crisis were almost almost entirely because of federal bureaucracy so we on the right Need to point all of these instances out. We need to point out every time that federal bureaucracy got in the way of solving some tiny part of this crisis and point out that the bloated, fat cat government that we have is the biggest problem. In crisis management, so that maybe enough American voters will vote for small government candidates, so that maybe we can shrink the size of our government to something that actually resembles the federal government that our founders had envisioned. So that brings us right back to the first point vote them all out, all of them, every last one of them, vote them out of there because they're not doing their jobs. Congressional seniority is stupid. They're all representatives. They all represent a district. Each district has roughly the same number of people. They're all equal. Seniority in Congress is stupid. And it gives all of the power of our representatives to a handful of people in Congress. It needs to go away. And the only way to really make it go away is is to get rid of them all at the same time so everybody's starting all over at the same place so there's my my vow my promise and i hope a whole bunch of you out there listening uh take this to heart i will not vote for a candidate for a house of representatives this time around who has already served two terms or more i i just won't do it wow i'm uh I'm sounding kind of cranky this week again, aren't I? <laughs> it really must be the Corona lockdown. My, uh, my beautiful wife and I usually go to the movies like every Tuesday. Of course, we haven't been able to do that for five or six weeks. And We usually go out to dinner at least once a week and haven't been able to do that. So, I guess I'm getting a little cranky because we haven't been able to do our normal life type things. Eh, cranky's a lot better than depressed. I can be cranky, but there's a lot going on out in the world. I mean, I've I've seen statistics that the suicide rate is going up and that drug overdoses are going up again and the unintended consequences of locking everybody in their houses. I wouldn't be surprised if the uh Domestic violence rate and child abuse rates haven't skyrocketed, too. It's all sad stuff. And, well, the unintended consequences kind of brings us to the the thought of, like, what are the long-term consequences of shutting down our government for six weeks now? Pennsylvania said they'll start to reopen on May 8th. That'll be week seven or after week seven. What's that going to do to us? Like nationwide, like what's, what's that done? It's cut millions of dollars of tax revenue that our federal government's not going to get, our state governments and local governments aren't going to get. Who knows how many small businesses are just gone forever. I was, I was talking with my beautiful wife just the other day, like, can you imagine sinking your life savings into opening up the business of your dreams 8 weeks ago and then this happens and your your dreams are just stolen from you you haven't been there long enough to survive this unless you just happen to have a big pile of money your business is gone Some people are like, oh, yeah, but we're saving lives. And you're saving some lives. You're killing other people. It's it's really, really sad time right now. And the long-term consequences of this, I, I have no idea what we're going to see. Like the mental health of our nation is probably in the toilet right now. What's that going to cost us long-term? Just because somebody is protesting and says that we should open our open our our businesses back up doesn't mean that we think that it should go back to normal, like a light switch. I don't. There are certain businesses I don't think should have been closed at all. Like why were, I not? And of course the what businesses were and weren't closed varies from state to state. But like, why were roofers? construction sites, landscapers shut down. Like these people all work outside and many of them work alone. And even if they're not working alone, they certainly work more than they can easily work more than six feet away from each other. There's no reason those businesses needed to be shut down. There's no reason that those business owners now have to hope that they can not go bankrupt while this is all going on. Like, I don't think anybody has really looked at the long-term consequences of what all of this has been doing to our nation and the people of our nation. And I'm sorry to have taken such a downer turn right before the break because it's about time to go on the break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about what I think we should do to take advantage of this crisis and maybe try to find a silver lining in this god-awful cloud of gloom and doom that I just stirred up thinking about the long-term consequences of a horrible, horrible crisis.
0: Be right back. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. A
1: little over a year ago, I got so frustrated with Progressive Society that I wrote a short book called Progress. Really? You can buy my book on Amazon for $5.99 in the paperback form, $0.99 cents in an ebook, or Go to liberty-lighthouse.com, sign up to be a member, and download it from the file shares page for free. Progress, really? Just questions. At what point is progress not really progress anymore?
0: You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast.
1: Thank you very much for sticking around through those commercials. Welcome to segment number two. Sorry to end segment number one on such a downer. I mean, I was making myself sad as I was saying that stuff. My goodness. Um, Hopefully, I won't do that again on this episode, this uh, segment. And let's uh, keep going with, you know, let's try to take advantage of a crisis, take that page out of the liberal playbook and never let a crisis go to waste. So, one of the biggest things that I think uh, this Wuhan flu crisis has pointed out the flaw in our government that is just glaring in the face of anybody who's paying attention is the entire tax system of our government, the entire financial system of our government for that matter. I've talked before that our tax code is inherently problematic. You know, we have a Two, three, four thousand page tax law that has like another six thousand pages of explanatory notes that go along with the tax law. And that's just a serious problem. And the fact that a large majority of our federal tax income comes from income tax is obviously a problem when you shut down the economy. And you have one in six people now out of work suddenly because of the uh, Wuhan flu, stay-at-home, shelter-in-place, lockdown, and a martial law, whatever, quarantine, whatever this thing is. One in six Americans is out of work. 16% have filed for unemployment. That is 26 million people who were put out of work by waving a wand or you know signing an executive order. On previous episodes, I have suggested that our tax code needs to be simplified and suggested a flat tax type thing where you know you draw the line as to wherever you want at, uh, you know the poverty line the you don't have to pay tax below this line. And then just a certain flat fixed percentage for everything above that. That that would be an improvement over what we have now. It really would, but I think that that's a flaw too. I I think the idea of taxing income by itself, just that concept, is wrong because you know for one, I earn that money, not the government. Why is the government getting my money before I ever even do anything with it? That that just seems odd so i'm I'm actually a a big proponent of uh what what Europe calls a VAT tax a value added tax but what I prefer to call is a a consumption tax uh more commonly known as a sales tax. I think a sales tax uh would be much better than an income tax because even those that complain about the disparity like you know the wealthy people and Oh, they don't pay enough. Well, the wealthy people do have all the loopholes. They have all the ways to hide uh, their money so that they're not paying taxes on it. Not to mention the fact that wealthy people don't earn a wage, so they're not getting a paycheck, so to speak. So it's it's a lot. It's just inherently harder to tax wealthy people the way that we tax uh, wage earners. So a consumption tax, a, a sales tax. Well, makes that just simple, you know. So you know, I, if I were to go out and buy a brand new car, you know, I might spend thirty or forty thousand dollars on a brand new car. I haven't looked at a brand new car in decades, so I don't know idea if that's a reasonable price for a, a car. But I, I'm relatively frugal, shall we say? I would not spend a gazillion dollars on a car. But somebody who's filthy rich might, um for example, like let's let's. So forget the car for a second. Let's look at refrigerators. You know, Nancy Pelosi's ice cream video the other day. She had twin refrigerators, side by side, $24,000 stainless steel refrigerators. I paid like $300 bucks for my refrigerator and refused to pay much more than that for a refrigerator. I don't need all the fancy crap in it. I just need it to keep my food cold. So if we were using the you know, sales tax in our country, regardless of how Nancy Pelosi got her money, whether it was dividends from owning stock or sales of stock or real estate income or her wage as a congressperson or rental income, whatever. It doesn't matter how she earned her money. She would pay a sales tax on the, when she spends it. So let's talk about, you know, again, those $24,000 refrigerators. Let Just for the sake of round numbers, let's say 10%. When Nancy Pelosi, who's worth, you know, millions and millions of dollars, spends $24,000 on a refrigerator, she's going to spend $2,400 more on sales tax using the 10% number. And I, when I bought my $300 refrigerator, Would have spent $30 in sales tax. The beauty of a sales tax is that everyone is a taxpayer. It doesn't matter if you're a citizen or not a citizen, if you are legally employed or if you're a drug dealer, you spend your money, you're a taxpayer. You spend your money wisely and frugal like me, and you don't pay a whole lot of taxes. You spend, for the big ticket items, you spend your money and you buy those big ticket items, you're going to pay big ticket sales tax. That's the beauty of, of a sales tax, in my opinion, versus an income tax. Income tax, they're getting your money before you do sales tax, you get at least a little bit of control as to how much tax you pay based on how much you're willing to spend on what products you buy. So looking at the world that we have right now in our Wuhan flu lockdown situation, so nobody's making income. Well, not nobody, but there's a whole lot of people out there that aren't making income. Many of them are still spending money. And being a mailman, I see that a whole lot of people are buying a whole lot of stuff online. My parcel deliveries have been through the roof the last few weeks. Um, so money's still being spent, whether that's their twelve hundred dollars stimulus checks, or whether they're still employed, or whether they're on unemployment. Whatever, they're getting money and they're still spending it. So the federal government the tax revenue would not have dropped to almost nothing if we were funding our federal government from a sales tax instead of an income tax the biggest argument against a sales tax replacing the federal income tax is most many people think that the very poor are adversely affected by this and i can i can understand their point I can understand how that would be a problem. That's where fairtax.org comes in. Now, I had never heard of this group before yesterday or two days ago or something like that. Fairtax.org has a plan that is a sales tax replacing all other forms of federal taxes. So, the, the, the estate tax goes away. The corporate income tax goes away. Personal in tax, income taxes go away. Payroll taxes go away. Excise taxes go away. The FairTax.org plan eliminates all forms of federal tax and replaces it with one uh, sales tax. And their plan even compensates for the unfair burden put on the super poor. So what they do in their plan is they give a monthly rebate, monthly rebate, not annual, a monthly rebate of the tax spent on necessities. I guess is the best way to put it. So the poor people get their tax back for the stuff that they spent on every month. So that eliminates the unfair burden on the poor complaint. What other complaint can there be? Well, the biggest complaint is going to be from lobbyists and from rich people who no longer have all their places to hide their money. They'll no longer be able to avoid paying their taxes because when they buy anything, they will pay the tax as a sales tax, the sales tax—I'm sorry—the FairTax.org plan repeals the Sixteenth Amendment, which allows for a federal income tax. If you remember um, my episode on uh, 1913 being a really bad year for our country, the the federal income tax had been attempted three times and had been struck down by the Supreme Court three times as being unconstitutional until the 16th Amendment passed in 1913, making the income tax constitutional by writing an amendment right in there, saying, hey, look, we can do this. So the fairtax.org plan repeals the 16th Amendment, and because there's no longer an income tax, it also completely eliminates the Internal Revenue Service. Now, I don't think there's a person on the planet that doesn't applaud the idea of eliminating the Fed, the uh, Internal Revenue Service. I don't think anybody likes these people. I, not the people. The people I'm sure wonderful people. I don't think anybody likes the department. There can't be a person in the world who says, "Oh, I love the IRS." So I don't. Other than the people that work there. Nobody is going to be upset with the elimination of the Internal Revenue Service. So I urge you to check out fairtax.org if you haven't ever heard of it or, you know what, if you haven't been to the site in a while, check it out. They do webinars. They have a a library of information to look up and, you know, what bills they've got tried. And there's it's, it's a bunch of stuff. Um, so fairtax.org. Love their idea. Love the idea of getting rid of income tax entirely. And, and by the way, they mean getting rid of Social Security and Medicare taxes as well and have them funded from the same one tax. And I think estate taxes need to go away. Estate taxes, like that money was saved up by someone and they paid their taxes as they were saving it. Why does the government think that they are entitled to tax the money just because it's being passed from one person to another in their own family the estate taxes is ridiculous. it's it's a power grab. it's you know, whatever it just needs to go away. So this would be a huge win if we could get some movement on this. So we've got a we've we've got a handful of things that we can push for. Take advantage of the crisis. Take advantage of the exposure that the Wuhan flu crisis has created in our country. Point out that the bureaucracy was the problem with getting supplies and testing and everything done. Point out that our government is just too big and has too many redundant agencies and try to get rid of as many of them as we possibly can. Point out, That congressional seniority has caused delays in funding because, you know, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, chose not to put a bill on the floor for a week. And the Speaker of the House came back and said, no, I'm not going to vote on the bill that was already negotiated in the Senate. We're going to write our own bill in the House. This is this is. Well, it's just. Partisan agenda crap and it needs to stop like my god i getting upset again we cannot have a government that is so worried about their own party and their own agenda and their own pet projects that they're willing to let americans starve or let american citizens die rather than quickly act on the things that they just have to act on we need to get rid of Pork spending, earmarks, and amendments on every stinking bill that goes through Washington. We need to get people in Congress who are willing to see the the swamp that is Washington D.C. And you know what? Swamp is is calling Washington D.C. a swamp is cruel to swamps. Swamps are beautiful ecosystems. They're just great pieces of nature. Washington, D.C. is a freaking sewage treatment plant. It's a cesspool. You can smell like roses when you go in and have all the best intentions in the world, but two terms later you come out of there and you're just a turd like everybody else. The left side of the political aisle has not stopped. Trying to push their political agenda. Nancy Pelosi's relief package bill had the words diversity and inclusion and minority like 150 times throughout the bill, none of which is relevant when trying to keep people in their jobs. People are people, but you gotta push your political agenda. And if they if they're willing to continue to push their political agenda in the middle of a crisis when people are dying, you don't think they're going to try to take full advantage of it afterwards? We can't let that happen. We, the people, need to stop this garbage. We need to push our own agenda. We need to push the conservative agenda after this crisis, because this crisis has exposed so much that is wrong with the progressive agenda, with the inclusive one world order agenda, with the, oh my God, let the government take care of you agenda. That has been exposed for the lies that we already knew that it was to begin with. But now that it's exposed, we need to take advantage of that And we need to push our small government agenda, get the old folks out of the Washington tax reform. I can't think of a better time to try to push tax reform and a balanced budget amendment. My God, do we need that? We've got to stop these idiots from spending our great grandchildren's money. We went from $23 trillion in debt to $26 trillion in debt almost overnight, and it's not done. Our debt is going to keep going up for the foreseeable future. After this is over, that really should be our number one focus as a nation. Our debt is going to be the downfall of this country unless we get a handle on it. And nothing has ever made that so plainly obvious as the Wuhan flu economic shutdown. Another project that's out there. I I mentioned the fairtax.org website. There's also the convention of states that I can't think of another time where this might be the opportunity for, they've been looking for the convention of states project. Of course, uh, if, you haven't heard of it, I've mentioned it many times, especially in the early episodes of Liberty Lighthouse, Convention of States is calling a convention of the states to propose constitutional amendments, bypassing Congress, and then, of course, anything that comes out of the convention still has to be ratified by three-quarters of the states. So it still has to get 38 states to sign on to it before it becomes a constitutional amendment. But this crisis that we have right now might be good for their goals. Like They might be able to use it just like I'm saying to use it. Point out the flaws. Take advantage of it. So check out the Convention of States Project, cosaction.com. Check out fairtax.org. These are two good small government programs. And by small government programs, I mean, Two programs trying to achieve small government, trying to get we the people back in charge of Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. cannot and will not fix itself. I talked about last week 990, I'm sorry, 9,987 bills introduced in the 116th Congress, and only 140 of those bills have passed both houses. 1.4% of the bills proposed actually make it through both houses of Congress. And of those 1.4%, a big chunk of them are do-nothing, worthless bills that the Congress shouldn't be wasting their time on. Congress is broken. It's so partisan They can't accomplish crap. Even in the face of a crisis like our world has never seen, they can't agree on how to keep people alive without adding all their own pet project shit to it. They're not going to fix themselves. We have to fix them. The easiest thing we can do to fix them is to literally vote all of them out. Start over with a new, fresh slate. Slightly harder, but still effective way to fix Congress is the Convention of States project. Pass amendments. Pass an amendment that requires a balanced budget so they can't spend us $26 trillion in debt. And speaking of that, imagine if we had been debt-free when this... Wuhan flu crisis came about. Imagine how easy it would have been to come up with this 6 trillion dollars spending stuff if we didn't have to worry about the fact that we were already 23 trillion dollars in debt. What if we what if we not only were debt free? What if we had a rainy day fund? What if our government actually had money sitting aside? For an emergency, just like this. What if the money was already there? Um, that would have been wonderful, wouldn't it? That's what a government's supposed to do. My conservative and libertarian friends, all of you on the right side of the political aisle, use your voice. And take advantage of this messy, ugly, pathetic situation that our country is in. Call your congresspeople. Write your congresspeople. Write your local government. Write your state government. Write the federal government. Let them all know that a $26 trillion federal deficit is absolutely unacceptable. Let them know that spending $11 billion on pet projects and arts and humanities and and PBS and stuff like that is unacceptable when Americans are dying and 26 million people are unemployed. As a matter of fact, I think that all of that spending on humanities and and broadcasting and arts and, and museums, I think all of that stuff should have gone away a long time ago. You don't spend money on things like that when you're $23 trillion in debt. When you've got money, sure, help out the arts. Help the museums. Help broadcasting. Help anybody you want when you have the money. You don't do it when you're in debt. If there is ever going to be major, significant financial reform with the way that our government wastes, our tax money, now's the time. Never in the in my lifetime, never before has their partisan bickering crap, the ridiculous spending ever been so blatantly obvious. The University of Harvard got stimulus money. Harvard. Harvard has like a thirty billion-dollar endowment or some crap like that. They've got enough money that they could operate without accepting a penny from anybody, government, students, anything, for years. Why are they getting federal tax dollars in the form of a stimulus? Why are we the people such sheep that we allow this crap to go on? Well, my attitudes really changed. I ended the first segment on such a downer I thought I was going to make myself cry, and now I'm coming to the end of this segment and I'm getting myself worked up. I'm just want to strangle something. That's <laughs> an emotional roller coaster here in the Liberty Lighthouse. Let me see if I can't calm down before I continue on.
0: <sighs>
1: so Penn State, another university with more money than they know what to do with. Right down the street from me, eight miles down the road, Penn State University, they got stimulus money. I've seen what they do with money. It's ridiculous. I don't understand how they can continue to take tax money, continue to be a state-affiliated university, but yet continue to raise tuitions. And now they're getting stimulus money? Raise your voices, my fellow right-leaning patriots. we got to put a stop to this crap. Raise your voices. Tell people in control. Tell our elected officials that this has gone far enough. We can't continue to just waste money like this. That all unnecessary spending needs to be cut that federal agencies and departments need to be cut, that our entire federal government needs to shrink to a reasonable level that can we, the people, can afford with a reasonable tax. Tell them that the income tax has outlived its usefulness and that we need to go to some other form of tax. Tell them that you're going to vote them out. And actually do it. The same goes for these governors and mayors that all of a sudden think that they're all-powerful rulers of their fiefdom and have taken this shelter-in-place stuff way too far. It's a whole lot of businesses that should never have been closed. A whole lot of recreational activities that shouldn't have been closed. Why are we arresting a A guy who's paddle boarding by himself in California. He's not infecting anybody. He's out in the water all by himself. Why are we shutting down golf courses? Public parks. Places that you can go and easily stay six feet away from each other. And easily follow the social distancing guidelines. Do our... Governors really want us to just stay in our house all by ourselves, never see another person again until God knows when this will be over? That's a little much, if you ask me. So vote them out, too. It's time that we on the right side of the political aisle learn the left's tactics. Learn to never let a crisis go to waste, or at least don't let this crisis go to waste. It's time, and it's, well, it might actually work for us right now. This is pretty bad, and it showed a lot of bad stuff. But that's all the time I have for tonight. So, until next time, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America.
0: Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty-lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64-MY-RIGHTS to leave comments for the show. That's 646-974-4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.